The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here, and I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where we talk with top leaders about how they measure success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. At 40 Strategy, we provide strategic planning and consulting to help organizations realize and achieve their dreams. Okay, basically, we help companies come up with their strategic plans and measure the right KPIs for success. This is the crazy part. Only 10% of organizations actually get two-thirds of their strategic objectives done. And I don't know about you, but I think that's it's pretty awful. And uh, I, is that about what you see when you've seen a business about ten percent getting it done? I think that might even be high. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. You know, it might be. That that's awesome. Thanks for saying that. And I've heard people say this: like, does anybody get their strategic plan done? So, um, so at Forty Strategy, your success is our passion. That's why organizations calling us to help. Um, Harvard research shows that if you actually focus on the right KPIs, you could triple the likelihood of your success. If you want to contact us, literally just catch like catch a ball at 40strategy.com to get more information. So from there, I also like to do a shout out uh, and to uh, you, nearly all of our guests are through referral. And with that, this referral, this is Terry Sidford. Terry Sidford is a great friend of the Measure Success Show, um, a motivational TEDx speaker. And you could also find her at terrysidford.com. I highly encourage you to do that. Thank you, Terry, for uh, recommending Kate. Kate Eisler is an activist, wife, author, partner, friend, business person, sister, and risk taker. And you'll definitely hear that when you listen to this today. She's passionate about gender parity, human rights, and equity. And if you could hear, if you aren't watching on YouTube, she's just gushing with smiles. She's one of the best smiling people I've ever seen in life. She's the co-founder and CEO of debut, the Debut Marketplace and also co-founder and executive director for Be Bold Now. She's board director for Girl Rising. She recently released a book just this past March called Breaking Borders, uh, where you cut your teeth quite a bit, uh, was at Microsoft as an executive there for over a decade. Um, you worked in Dubai, London, Munich. Um, but you also lived lived in Africa. That's an amazing story, which we'll definitely talk about more. You have your bachelor's degree from Seattle Pacific. Kate, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Absolutely. And and so we had um, we we usually with our guests we do a pre talk, and I almost wish I wish I just recorded that because Kate is like full of energy and has done so many amazing things, and so. First of all, let's just start with the business side briefly. Um, tell tell the audience more about the W Marketplace. So the W Marketplace, you know, why I smile is because every day is really fun. I have to say because I am working at something that I am so passionate about that it doesn't feel like, 
And so, you know, when 2020 happened and we shut down and I started to read about the way in which women were so impacted economically and knowing that, you know, we are far behind on the economic platform. We are nowhere near parity. It's over 200 years that, you know, I thought there has to be something. And so everyone was online shopping. So I thought, well, you know, here we go. Let's online shop through women owned businesses. And so um, a very long time friend of mine was being laid off and we started this business. And it is um, a, it is really our mission to support other women-owned businesses. We um, started a year ago this week. We have almost 500 businesses and offer about 3,000 products on the site. <laughs> and we offer products and professional services. So it is, you know, a little bit of a hybrid. And I think it provides a choice these days in terms of where you want to spend your dollars and where you want to shop. And I will say one other thing about it that I'm so excited. You know, I love the marketplace because every day is different, but we are actually the only e-commerce platform advertising or social platform where all of the money you invest stays with women-owned businesses. Wow. So let that sink in for a minute, because when you sell on other marketplaces and other e-commerce sites, 25 to 60 percent of that goes to the corporations generally owned by men. So, so you're saying I can't list my products on your website. I am <laughs> saying that if you have a, a gender balance, we'll talk to you, but probably not. Because you have plenty of options. And, I, and I, once again, I, I was saying that I was tongue in cheek, you know, I mean, I think what's, what's important here is that um, I think this is great that there is this very specific opportunity where people who want to focus on that and create these opportunities. So you just glanced over a little comment, which I, I heard about beforehand. I think I heard it from the Gates Foundation, um, but I think it came from somewhere else. Talk about that gender equality 200 years from now. What does that mean when you make that statement? So a couple of things is um, I am very much, you know, my Microsoft training taught me to be very data heavy. And so I base what I say in real information. And this is the World Economic Forum gender gap report. And so they look at, you know, what it takes and they measure across a variety of, of success factors. And they look at a hundred and 53 countries, I believe it's the 2020 study. So that's, it's pretty robust. Um, and what that means is women's economic power is not going to be equal to men's for 257 years. And oh. so when we think about the pay gap is a part of that, but not the whole thing. Women um, earn less over a lifetime. And part of that is because they don't own as much real estate. They don't have investment opportunities. So, you know, when I talk about it, I talk about their economic platform. They own fewer businesses, fewer investment. And so it's very difficult to grow their economic platforms without some of that baseline infrastructure. And so I am convinced that, you know, we're going to be the platform for women to start, pivot, and scale their businesses. And, you know, Women are 51% of the population. If we did business with one another, we can change the world quickly. 
So that's my aim. And you, you'd, when we did some of the prep, you'd made a comment about what percentage of, of the home purchases are actually made by women. What, what percentage is that roughly? Or do you know the exact information? I do know the exact information. It's not even the home. All of purchasing decisions, about 83%. Wow. Are made by women. And so, you know, if you think about that and you think about giving them a platform in which to find and purchase from women, I just heard a podcast and read an a article in Forbes magazine where a woman tried to shop from women-owned businesses for a week and struggled. She had a really hard time finding them. And so, you know, my aim is to make that easier, as to say, if you need you know, to buy merchandise, that's one thing, but do you need an accountant and a lawyer um, coach? I've got all those listed. And this is a place in which they can really start to explore their professions and find customers that are like-minded. And there is no place like this. Yeah. Wow. And, yeah. and so what has, I'm curious, have you, have you gotten negative? I mean, feedback, you know, what, what, what have people said you, you can't do this is not fair. Um, I'm curious what, that, what type of negative feedback have, have you received on creating a website like this? You know, it's actually very little. Good. I think Good. that, you know, timing, you know, because we have had so many women owned businesses flock to us mm. and we have, have over, um, 200,000 site visits in the year. So quite a few. It says to me that we have the right product at the right time, and it's a really supportive environment. And we are starting to work with women-owned businesses, obviously, and be their e-commerce piece. And so there are lots of organizations that are supporting women's businesses with you know tactics and teaching them to write business plans and networking and all sorts of those things, especially during COVID as we are not in person anymore, there's been some gaps that these organizations have filled and we are coming in and saying, great, let's do that. But then let's find a way in which to connect that with actual revenue sales opportunity. And so we're becoming that e-commerce channel for them, that sales channel. And, you know, again, it's all about leveling the playing field and creating a way in which that we change the world through economic empowerment. That's just a little goal of mine. Yeah. Yeah. I, now it's, it's, and I'm not saying this out of, um, trying to be humorous, but just out of, um, fascination. So if I recall the information from COVID maybe set it further than 257 years away, um, the amount of women who ended up leaving their jobs or staying at home because of uh, kids, their, your children, right? And then the right. learning environment changed at the home truly, right? Because it was so difficult for uh, teachers to be able to teach when, when you didn't even have to have your Zoom picture on camera on. Um, right. So very, very difficult to get feedback, right? And, and, and tests weren't required in many cases. Um, it was very challenging past two years um, from an educational standpoint. Do you know what those numbers are? I mean, it's kind of uh, how many women had to leave their work compared to men in total. Do you have some of that recent data? I do. And it is it is right now just about 4 million all told. Wow. 
Wow. So some have gone back because there is a um, there has been a surge in the lower wage service industries so that people have gone back to work. Uh, but we women um, are at the same level of employment they were in 1988. Which, if wow. you think about that for a minute, and you think about 1988, are you kidding? And so you know, there's some um, there has got to be a remaking of normal. And I'm, that's a real passion of mine too, because when we talk about going back to normal, normal was not great for many women, because as you said, women are generally the primary child care provider, right? regardless, you know, they, right. they just is. Um, and so if you think about the hours and the commute and the going to work, that's not ideal. And so I see this as a big opportunity to remake normal. You know, let's talk about what's the new normal. Let's not go back. Let's say, okay, you know, is there a way in which we can add flexibility? We can, you know, add a different flavor to how we work. We've now seen that we work quite well remotely, everyone. And as a business owner, you know, gender neutral in this way, as a business owner, it's very cost effective for me to have a remote team. It's fabulous. You know, and, and I can't see starting a business. We started, um, we formed in May of 2020 and I can't see spending a tremendous amount of capital on a facility because my team is fantastic. They get their job done. We have, you know, done amazing things in a year and it's a really cost-effective and everyone on my team has children and they range from very small children to high school children. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And it, 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 it is interesting how that has cre- created a new, new opportunity for everyone, for, for those who can. Now, it, it's a little unfair. Um, there's this perception, I think, by many. It's like, oh, well, we, we can all work from home. Well, not if you make things. <laughs> you, know, you know, when we're getting things shipped from Amazon, um, they are being made and shipped and produced and distributed and trucked by somebody, you know what I mean? Yep. And so that part, you know, still has to take place. And so the reality is half, but for many others, um, there, there was, we've learned now because we, a lot of businesses have been able to not only be successful, but thrive, right. Um, that we don't have to think the same way and we don't have to take away from many organizations would be a major expense, which would be their real estate. Yep. Now we can do it remotely. We don't have the commute, which is waste by definition, unless you're doing audiobooks. You know what I mean? You know, it's like, you know, there's very little, you know, value out of a lot of that. Now we can get value. So that, that's really interesting that it's, it's actually enabled a startup to be even cheaper than it was in the past. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's, and it's enabled us to actually speak to our constituents in a really unique way because, you know, we're talking to that audience that is, uh, and I hesitate to say benefiting, but is more comfortable in some ways, mm-hmm. remote working and having flexibility. And we are, that's our audience. And, yeah. you know, we are facilitating that living it, but also supporting those businesses in that way. If I think about, um, you know, I, I read the other day and again, I, you know, it's, it is my background to be numbers driven. Mm-hmm. I read that, you know, 40% of all new businesses are women. And they grow twice as fast as the market. 
And if you think about the number of new businesses, it comes down to 1,821 new businesses are started by women a day in this country. Wow. Say that again. 1,821 businesses a day are started by women in this country. And they drive $1.8 trillion worth of annual revenue in the U.S. So- those are big I numbers. Mean, it's, it's big numbers. And, it, you know, and in some cases, you know, I would say that women over index and in small businesses and they're solopreneurs in, in some ways, you know, there's lots of those. But but I also think that as we begin to shed the light on how that happens in the U.S., you know, the majority of businesses in our country are actually small businesses and they mm-hmm. drive the economy. Yeah. And so let's, you know, let's embrace that. And those women, and I'll tell you that women of color's businesses are outpacing all businesses in terms of formation and growth. It's crazy. They're they're going like crazy. And it's that is fueling our economy. And I think that when we think about the she um what is it, what do they call it? The she session recovery, it is supporting those women-owned businesses that's gonna make the difference. I'd never heard that term before. Yeah, she session. Sorry. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. This has been in and I think you know I have a bean counter background. So all these this data I loved. Okay. So this has been this has been awesome. Um tell us about your book, Breaking Borders. Okay, you have an awesome story and 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 obviously we can't go through the whole book, but first of all, let's let's before even talking about the book specifically, but what the book shared, you had a really interesting career that was very atypical for anybody, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. And so what, could you tell us, a, you, you and, and this is a lot of has to do with your time at Microsoft uh, when mm-hmm. you were traveling around the world. And, and um, so uh, let me stop leading you in. Tell us about what you did and, um, and, and the challenges that you faced um, in the different countries that you're at. I think, I think your story is really fascinating. So I want to start by, um, sort of backing up and saying, I am the most unlikely successful person that you've probably ever met. So, and I firmly believe that. So when you talk about, you know, when you mentioned Seattle Pacific, I want to kind of set the record straight and say that I am a 2018 college graduate. Nice. So thank you. you know, it was it was way after the fact, but it was one of those sorts of things that I felt like I had to do. And so I did not come through the ranks of a very traditional lifestyle and say, you know, here are the things that I'm going to do. And I'm going to have, you know, a, a college degree and then start a career and a family. And that is not how I've ever operated. And I don't know that there's been a plan for that to be either the same or not. It just happened. Um, I spent the first sort of 10 years of my life in a hotel and not a nice one in a holiday inn. My father was an innkeeper, which meant I lived on the property in the hotel. So I lived for the first 10 years of my life in a straight line. <laughs> if you think about the connecting rooms, right? Wow. And so, you know, I, it, it also gave me such exposure to people and different, um, audiences sort of to grow up in the public a little bit like that. And so I think that that's a little bit where I got my, risk-taking and why not me feeling. 
Mm-hmm. So I went to my, I went to work at Microsoft um, based on um, a friend who I knew and I had gotten a job at an ad agency and taken over this account. And the woman who I had taken over all of her customers called me one day and said, listen, I work for this startup and we need people. And if you've done this job, you can probably do the one that we're looking for. So could you come apply? Mm-hmm. And so again, the most unlikely. So fast forward a few years and I'm working for them and it was more, it was much more about um, how you can contribute in your passion for what they were doing. And at the time we were truly changing the world with technology, you know, a computer on every desk and in every home, which now you kind of think, well, yeah, you know, and in every pocket, you know, but, but then that was really groundbreaking. And so I was like, this is fun. You know, I think I'll do that. And so, and then I got an email from someone who um, was a man who was, I knew him, didn't have a lot of respect. And it was an announcement that he had been promoted and was moving to Paris. And I was like, hold on just about a second. I can do that. If he can do that, I want to do that. And so I kind of raised my hand and said, I want to you know, I want to do something international. And before long, I had um, the opportunity to move to Dubai. And when I say move to Dubai, it was the early 90s. It was not the Dubai sort of, you know, developed Vegas like that people go to today. Not right. That. Right. And um, I said, oh, wait, wait, wait. I was thinking sort of Paris, London, maybe Sydney. You know, someplace. <laughs> well, so, why not? Right. <laughs> right. I was like, oh my God. And so I talked my husband into quitting his job and taking our baby to the Middle East. I said, oh my gosh, it'll only be a couple of years, I promise. So 20 years, three kids, and six international moves later, we came back to the US. Wow. And, yeah. And I, um, have always sort of operated by why not? And I have had the opportunity doing that in my career to work in the Middle East. And it was challenging and fun and, you know, forget the stereotypes. I had a very good experience there. And it was, again, changing the world with technology. And it was so um, fulfilling and great. And then I did it in Africa and in Central Asia and Eastern Europe over my career and China and Brazil and, you know, really had the opportunity to sort of be in when things were changing and it was exciting to do that. And I've always just said, well, let's give it a try. And that's not always been successful, I want to point out. (laughs) So. So let's talk a little bit about the, the, we shouldn't understate this, especially the time period you were there. You go to Dubai, women are not, it's not okay. Women don't work very much in, in, in much of the Middle East. Um, they do a bit in Saudi Arabia. I don't know as much about Dubai. So did you have to wear a headdress? You know, how did that, how did you ha- be able to engage in business um, and be accepted in the marketplace of working? So, you know, it's clear I'm not local. And it was 
<laughs> if you don't know Kate, she has blonde hair, <laughs> blue yeah. eyes. I think I don't know what you meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was very clear that I wasn't going to be mistaken for a local. Yep. Um, but that was part of the the advantage I had in that environment is that no one ever um, assumed anything about me, which was great. Except that I am um, not very big. I'm about five two. And they assumed often that I could go get lunch or I could, you know, answer the phone, which I, you know, rightly said, no, thanks. That's not me. And I'm actually going to conduct this meeting. And, you know, there was a little, there was enough of a, oh my gosh, really? (laughs) Sort of surprise. Oftentimes where I used that to my advantage, I had, um, and I, and I think I, I know I talk about this in the book and I, I may have told you. One of the things that was instrumental as I began is having an ally and having allies that helped establish what I was doing. And I am, you know, I am absolutely dead set and passionate about creating gender parity, but not at the exclusion of others. And so when I got to Dubai, I was fortunate enough to have an executive from Microsoft that came to visit soon after I got there. And we had a partner meeting with partners from 30 countries around the Middle East. And he introduced me and said, what she says you need to do and listen to. Mm. And that was critical. It was absolutely critical because then it became a, you know, oh, oh, we understand why you're here and that you have a support system. And, and I think that that is still that allyship and that support system is critical that we have because, you know, when I said we are 51% of the population, there's 49% too. And so that collaboration, you are better together. And if everyone is on an equal footing, that's how it works. And so I use that to my advantage. And I was always the one that delivered the bad news. Or the uncomfortable, we've changed your terms that will change your margin sort of conversation. And, you know, I did that and I did that for years. It was just, you know, I think that you have to be thoughtful, articulate and have, you know, a presence about you in order to do that. And that's what I've strived for. So um, I want to be careful of making prejudgments on this, but um, I think there's sometimes for those who haven't been to Europe, there's this belief that um, Europe from the business perspective is really progressive. Mm-hmm. That has not been my personal experience. Is, is that from your experience when you were there? And I granted, this is a little bit earlier in time, you know, but but not too long ago. What was your experience from that? What, what was from a woman in business when you were there? Were you, were you working with other women or was it primarily did it feel not much different than the U.S. or was it worse? Um, what was your perspective? So a couple of things. There's a lot to unpack with that. <laughs> so I would say that there are places in Europe, Nordics, where there is much more equality and always has been. My experience has always been. Eastern Europe is a really interesting place because you have sort of the opposite is what you had in the Middle East, right? You had very educated populations with very little um, income and capital at the time. And so in the Middle East, you had lots of money, 
but nothing was really equal. Right. So, you know, you had the opposite. So in Eastern Europe, I worked with more women than I ever did anywhere else. Interesting. More women in leadership, more women um, owning businesses, driving businesses. When I was first working in Central Asia and Eastern Europe, um, that area was Russia and um, the Eastern European countries. Many of them were actually run by women. Mm, yeah. Yep. And yep. so, you know, I think now Western Europe, I'd say uh, it varies mm-hmm. for sure when the established Western Europe. And I will tell you that the um, impression that the U.S. has equity is a mistake. Mm. We, you know, again, I hearken back to the World Economic Report. Mm -hmm. And I think that we believe that we are so progressive. And we Mm -hmm. definitely are in education with we have parity in education. In fact, more women graduate from high higher ed and graduate programs these days than men. So we're on, you know, on the other side of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But in I think I, I hear this all the time. There are more men CEOs with the name Mike and James than there are women CEOs. So let that sink in for just a minute. That's that's crazy. So that's a true true fact. That's true. It's true fact. It's a true wow. fact. Women are less than 15% of I believe it's Fortune 1000 CEOs. Yeah. And so, you know, if you Say think about that, what was that second thing you said? What percent? I think, of- I think it's 15% of the fortune 1000 less okay. than. Okay. So, you know, the pyramid gets smaller and smaller as you go up and there's a lot of systemic cultural reasons why that is. I don't, you know, again, I am all about changing the world. I think that there's a way in which we can grow women's businesses and their you know, you know, their um, presence and their impact. There is nothing that says that businesses need to be run by one sex or the other, and they right. are predominantly men. Right. There is, um, in this country, enterprise level businesses, there are, I just looked at this, um, 308,000 of those women owned. That's it. Mm. 300,000 enterprise level businesses owned by women. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So there's there's huge room to change. And in Europe, you know, I, I don't know the numbers as well, just because I'm not as steeped in it right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that it varies. And I think that steps are being taken. But I'm also realistic that this is systemic and thousands of years old. And it's cultural. It is absolutely cultural to, you know, um, have a difference and, and not in a great way. Yeah. And, and, um, it's interesting culturally, you're like in, in, in choices, you know, you have, boy, we could, I gotta be careful going on too much of a tangent here. You know, I've been to China as well. And I actually, it's funny experientially, I I've met more women business owners there in terms of the number of companies I met than with almost with men. It was almost like 50, 50 part of that has to do with, there was one child for family. Right. Right. And so from an opportunity, like, and and, and it was like, well, your, your, um, your job is to be successful. Right. Versus there's still, um, and I I don't, I don't think there's a right or wrong. There's still people here in the U S 
that go, my, my goal is to raise my family as my primary thing, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You're just mentioning the family things. And, and that could be for the man or the woman, right? You know, and those different parts behind it. And you just said your your husband was the was taking care of, of your family, you know, when you were traveling around Europe uh, and these different opportunities. Um, and, and so it, it, it's interesting. It'll be totally interesting to see, but the, it is interesting culturally of where countries, where regions and, and places start has a big part of where they end up going um, yeah. and, and, and where those opportunities are and, and what's considered good or wrong. You think of STEM, right? You go into a STEM program, it's almost always still males um, mm-hmm. in a lot of the STEM programs and you go into psychology and it's almost all women, you know, and it's like, so, but then how does somebody who's in psychology end up running a business and vice versa, right? You know, if that, if it's, there's still, there's still some interesting parts, but it's still, how can we create the opportunity that women can still create businesses? Um, I, I just think this is a super fascinating topic, right? Of like, how do we, um, once again, still continue to create opportunity and and give people the opportunity to be where they're going to be most successful at because there are differences right from from who we are you know and yeah. so um anyways i love your passion behind what you do so i i want to ask the question of so how from your the w marketplace mm-hmm. maybe we'll use that and you could maybe go a little bit broader if you like how are you measuring success so a couple of things is the w marketplace really is um it is a, a business in every sense of the term. It's mission-driven business, but that is not separate than our business results, right? Mm-hmm. But they have to be collaborative and you have to have them run in parallel. And so when I think about how we're building success there, we are attracting and, and retaining customers, attracting and retaining um, sellers and service providers on the on the site. So, you know, the real like, the, the numbers that we can measure and the great news about digital business is that the, all the numbers are always there. You know, what are the trends and who's buying it? But I think on a bigger level is I'm a disruptor. You know, I make people uncomfortable. I got to just say, it. you know, I've told that my closest friends and family tell me that all the time. They're like, you make people uncomfortable. Um, and I think that that's a little bit of my measure of success as well, because it, you're not going to change things until people are uncomfortable because if it's status quo and you, you know, you continue on, there's no success. And so I kind of measure that success, why people stop and think, oh, that does make me uncomfortable because it's awareness. And so I am a little bit of a button pusher. (laughs) Well, I, I totally appreciate what you said there. Would with what we do, our whole goal is to get somebody from A to B, and you can't do the things the same way to get to B. If if you want to be at a new destination, you have to change who you are, or you have to change the people on your team, or you have to change the processes of how you're doing it. But you can't do the same thing and just hope that things will change. I love that you said that because that is what you bring to the party, right? Is that you stir the pot. And it is on a way in which, you know, if you think about what is that strategy, the strategy is to change. That's how you, that's how you become successful. And so to me, the strategy is change the way we do business. It is, I I am told all the time, well, 
you know, the, the big player in the world, it's convenience. I'm like, yeah, great. And if you want to ever, you know, you read the headlines about how they affect climate change and how they affect employee morale and how wages and all of those things that people are mad about, but you want to continue. Oh, but I'm just going to shop still doing that. I'm just still going to, you know, keep my habits, but I don't really like that. It's like, well, okay, then, then nothing in your world is going to change. That's right. So that's right. I am, I am absolutely convinced that that's the way it is. Yeah, you, you, I love it. And, and you do, we do have to, and, and we shouldn't be complaining about how things are if we're not willing to do something about it to change it. Yep. And, and, and so, um, so don't complain on message boards, um, you know, and don't complain on my website if you don't have a plan to change it, uh, folks. You know what I mean, you know, it's like, That's it. you know, now there are, of course, people who don't want change, right? There, there is that. But, but what I heard what you said, I think is really important. And I don't think it was subtle. I think you were actually clear, but maybe people didn't understand it. This isn't about, you aren't a fixed mindset person. This is a growth mindset, right? It's, it's not only can women be more successful, but women of, of, of different colors can be successful and, and, and men could be successful too. This is not to be mutually exclusive, right? This is to have a growth mindset that we're all working more effectively and better, but it's to, to understand that, to create an opportunity for those who haven't been seen yet, right? They've been stuck in their old ways or, or thinking and, and what's so fascinating once again, of what going back to the beginning this whole marketplace has changed and created an opportunity that that may accelerate things, not come back, but actually go forward a generation, right? Because the disruptions that COVID has caused, and there's there are many good things. And part of this is being able to, once again, not have to buy a rental real estate property because we could work and communicate on Zoom to be able to get a business done on an e-commerce site. And be able to get it out there. This is incredible. I mean, these these small things are so remarkable um, that they're incredible. Okay, now we need to change the personal side. We, obviously, you've talked about a ton about your personal. We were mentioning earlier. I was just at the Naval Academy to see my son. You have a son who's a sailor. Um, it just ironically is in Gulf is in Gulfport, Mississippi, where I just was at last week of all or two weeks ago. Um, and and so. You have this family, you have your husband, you have a lot of things going on. Um, how, how do you got a lot going on? How do you keep yourself in your A game? You know, what are the things you're doing? You know, and, and once again, it might be nothing. You might be eating Snickers candy bars. You know, you might be, um, you might be, you know, I love this commercial, by the way. Um, or you might be, um, you know, running, you know, 12 marathons. I don't know. What are the things that you do on a consistent basis to help give yourself the poison energy to keep moving forward? Well, there's a couple of things and you did mention, I have a husband, I have three sons, I have, you know, a lot. And, you know, the nonprofit, the for-profit, all those things. I am, um, I'm a high energy person, have always been. I work out regularly, just I, in the morning, I get up at five 30, like one of those crazy people and run or go to the gym. You know, I'm that person, but I also, um, really value a moment of taking a step back. And so I am very much an extrovert most of the time, but I, I need a minute, you know, I actually need to take 
three steps back and sort of read a book, um, do something else by myself. And I am really big on that. And I think, you know, people don't give themselves that moment. And I, you know, I've done it all of my children's life because there's demanding to have children and be a partner and to be a friend. And those things weigh on you. And I think oftentimes women don't think to take a minute because they don't prioritize. And I can tell you that I have gone, you know, let me spend the night somewhere by myself or, you know, just walk away Mm. for a little. And, and sometimes, you know, a lot of that, I wrote the book doing that. I, you know, have read amazing things. I've traveled amazing places just because I needed that time. And I am a huge advocate that everyone needs that. So I'm I'm curious from the those those moments is that something you try to do daily to get pause or is it more like a, a season you're like okay I need to on Saturday take two hours to like chill and breathe um wh- wh- how do you you know how are you putting that into your day to day life because obviously you're exercising regularly so you're getting energy out right and you're trying to keep your health going which is great right but but you mentioned there's this pause, right. That you've created, um, is, is it a little bit more haphazard or is it, is it, is it for you? I mean, explain how, how that is. It's absolutely haphazard. Unfortunately, it's not, you know, I, I wish I laugh when you go, yeah, daily, weekly, oh, wouldn't that be great? But again, I'm running a startup and I, you know, like daily, weekly is like years in real life. (laughs) Right. Um, and so, no, uh, but there are a moment I'm very attuned to listening to sort of my state of mind. And I know, and I think we all do <laughs> go, okay, you know, my perspective is not great at the moment. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's time. And I think that that becomes, you know, good leaders, good, successful people need to listen to that. And I think they do. And I strive for that. And I'm not perfect at it by any stretch of the imagination, but it's one of those things that is, you know, if I think, how do I be a better person? How do I be a better leader? The That's one of the pieces where I think about often. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's, yeah, I think that's super important. I think it's, I think I appreciate the honesty of like, no, you're, you're doing it when you think you need it. You know, and mm-hmm. getting part usually probably the time we need it's probably a little too you know it's just probably like a moment too late you know exactly <laughs> but but um, it's good that you're still making that effort to do something um, with that and okay so we we I I know you have commitments um, that you have to do next uh, so what is a book that you'd recommend or obviously I'd recommend people to read your book of course but. What is something else that you have that you would recommend that you've read that's been inspiring to you to recommend others? So I actually have two. Good. And one is sort of more fun, um, just sort of casual reading The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. What would we say it again? Yes, the Year of Yes. Okay. And that one is so interesting because it is, you know, this is a, it, this was the, is the producer of Grey's Anatomy and, you know, um, the TV producer. And yeah. so she spent a year saying yes to everything, which I was inspired because none of us do that on a regular basis, right? We think of all the reasons why no. But then the other one that I've just finished that I love is The Lost Art of Connection. Mm-hmm. 
So this is by Susan McPherson. And Susan is a dear friend of mine. And reading her book was because she wrote it during COVID and talks about the parameters of how we connect, how we get energy from one another now in this new paradigm that we all live in, where it's maybe not so obvious. Um, you know, you can think of the Zoom and channels and all those, but but really, how do you connect? And on what level do you connect? And what are those strategies? And I really appreciated that book. And it was, some of it was made you think about things that you probably already know, but you didn't put them in context. And so I'm a huge believer in that. Uh, I, I think those are, um, first of all, the area, I love that because that's very contrary. You know, it's funny, half of the time they're telling people to focus on the few, right? You know, because right. you, you're like, but but that is an awesome thing. And I've heard that many, uh, I, I'll, I'll thank you for the year. Yes, that's a great suggestion. And then Lost Our Connection, I, I've been fortunate. I haven't been until recently even saying I've been traveling every week, but I've been traveling every week and and being present with people. And I, I love Zoom because I don't have to be in a plane. I didn't have to go on a plane to see you. You know, we could have this conversation. Um, we, I could see your, you know, facial expressions. But what I have found, where my real learning is, the conversation immediately after the meeting. Yep. And and I don't receive or obtain that. It's the soft things. It's the other part of the body language. Yeah, I could see your shoulder up, but. Mm-hmm. Are you clenching your fist down below? You know, are you, you know, what, what, what else is going on? Right. in in our part. And, and then of course, social media, uh, the, inst- I just read this terrible data that Facebook, I think just came out of the wall street journal about, um, how Instagram and, and, and Facebook and these different channels and Snapchat, how they've created actually even worse. We knew this, but now the data's come out of how much more people are negative about themselves because they're comparing themselves versus everybody. And it's like, well, that, that shouldn't be the goal here, folks, right? right? The goal should be to be grateful that people are doing wonderful things and not to the purpose of this whole show folks is to not measure success based on other people, but measure success based on how you need to measure success. Yeah. Right. You know, and I appreciate what you were saying, you know, behind this, because we have to measure success based on our own definitions and, and I love it how you've had your definitions along the way, and, and we could all reach our, measure, our own measure of success by getting through there. Um, you have an awesome story. I, I wish we could spend another hour talking. Uh, what, how can people find out more about your business and, and get connected with you? So they can always come to the wmarketplace.com, all one word. Um, I am, I answer anyone who emails me for sure, they can get the book and I would prefer it to come across the Debbie marketplace. Again, that platform versus Amazon it's there, but really, you know, it'd be great to get it on the Debbie marketplace. Um, LinkedIn, I'm there. And I, I answer those mails because the other thing that I think, you know, my mission personally too. And one of the reasons I wrote the book is because Oftentimes when you hear about successful people or when you hear them, it appears that they're in the right place at the right time and that things just sort of went the right way. And, (laughs) you know, again, I I think I wasn't introduced to the right person at the right time, you know, and I am convinced that anyone can do it. Anyone can be happy. They need to not self-select out. Mm -hmm. 
you know, because you have other responsibilities or it's too hard or, you know, I, again, I'm like, yeah, you can put together a life that is fulfilling and fun and happy for yourself. You just have to know what that is. And it's an evolution. Yeah. What I thought I would be doing 10 years ago is not what I'm doing now. <laughs> Thank goodness, I think. But Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So no. please reach out to me always. Thank you. Thank you. I, I um, This has been a tremendous conversation. Uh, you're an absolute inspiration um, for, for others and, and for what you're trying to do. Um, I think your cause is extraordinary. Uh, being I had, I, I think I met I, my mom was one of the first pile drivers in the state of Oregon. Um, you know, was a cook and, and a tugboat up in Alaska, was in uh, one of two women who was in a mining camp, uh, 500 men. Uh, you know, sometimes you just got to be willing to take some risks to have incredible opportunities, you know, to do things and, and to continue to have that courage, right? You know, not just one time. And I think that's the hard part is, right, is we, we can all take that challenge for a season, but we're where it's really amazing is when you can continue through it. You know, like I think for your story that you were 20 years in Europe being a business executive, that's a lot different than just taking a two-year stint in Dubai or a two-year stint in Munich or something like that. And so I commend you for that. That's that's not normal, you know, and, and the path <laughs> that you got there. So um, thank you for being an inspiration for those who are on there. So um, Kate, Kate uh, Eisler, uh, thank you so much for being a guest on the Measure Success Podcast. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. And to all the rest of our guests on there, um, we want to encourage you to go a couple of different websites. Once is, is you can, we actually have a new Facebook group, believe it or not, um, called the Measure Success Group. I encourage you to go there. I'm going to be a little bit more raw in those things and show that. And I'm also having um, tracking the marathon that I'm training for, which I haven't done yet. Um, where I challenged uh, John, uh, and I have a bunch of recordings that I've just I just released my first one. So, anyways, I encourage you to go to that. It's a lot of fun. It's in, hopefully be encouraged confidence for you. But more importantly, to all the rest of you, I wish all of you the very best at measuring your success. Thank you, and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.